Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, June 9th, 2019, on the basis of John 14, verses 23 through 27. Who do you think has had the biggest influence on your life? Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, Henry Ford, Steve Jobs, or Jacques Derrida? I'm guessing that you recognize nearly all of those names and the tremendous impact that they have had on each and every one of your lives, except maybe that last one. Jacques Derrida was a 20th century French philosopher who completely changed the way that we think about words. See, before Derrida, there was this natural assumption that just about everyone held that words had the power to convey meaning. In other words, if someone had an idea that they wanted to share with other people, they could put that idea into words, and those words could successfully convey that meaning. But then Jacques Derrida came along and he said, "Uh uh-uh, words can't possibly do that. The second a person speaks or writes down a set of words, they lose control over those words, and the relationship between the words and the person who spoke or wrote them is lost, which means that the most important person for determining the meaning of a set of words is not the author who spoke or wrote them, but the person who reads them. Now, if all of that is a little bit abstract and ethereal for a Sunday morning, then consider this very concrete and very simple example of the influence Derrida has had in our world. Think of how many times you have been examining a set of words, and you have said or even been asked to say, what those words mean to you. Maybe you were studying the Constitution in middle school social studies, or reading Shakespeare in high school literature, or even studying the Bible as part of a Bible class, and the matter in question was not what those words mean, but what those words mean to you. In other words, what your understanding, what your interpretation of those words was. All of that is due to Derrida's influence. In fact, if Derrida is right in his theory about words, then it really is hard to overstate the impact that would have on our lives. In fact, I want you to consider again that image that's on the front of your service folder today and all of the activities it portrays, all of the different activities that take up so much of our time day in and day out. Just think of how many of those activities involve words. The words that you speak in the interactions with your family in the morning when you get up. The music and the podcasts that you listen to on your commute. The text messages and the emails that you send and receive throughout the day. The memos and the reports that are exchanged at work. Even the menu at your favorite place to grab lunch. All of it involves words, of course. And if those words have no inherent meaning in and of themselves, if their meaning is really only determined by someone else who gives them meaning, then anything that we would try to accomplish in our lives using words would sort of be pointless, wouldn't it? Well, thankfully today we're going to see that there is in fact more than this when it comes to words. We're going to see that words do in fact have power. In fact, there are some words that have divine power. Why? Because God himself has decided to do so much of what he does in our world and in our lives using words which means that any time we want to tap into the power of God himself, we can do so using words. That's the beautiful truth we're going to see as we look at these verses from John chapter 14 this morning. We're going to see that God has bottled up his power 
in words. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples the night before he died, and and Jesus' big message that evening was that he wasn't going to be around very much longer. He had just told the disciples that even after he went away, he wasn't going to leave them alone. He was going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's job was to be Jesus' advocate in the world, to tell people about Jesus, to make Jesus known, to reveal Jesus to the people of the world. And yet Jesus also made it very clear that not everyone in the world would come to know Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit, just some. Well, apparently one of Jesus' disciples was confused by this. And so he asked Jesus, why are you going to reveal yourself just to us and not to the whole world? Apparently, Jesus' disciples still had this idea that at some point Jesus would, or at the very least should, reveal himself to the whole world in this big, brilliant display of power and glory like lightning bolts coming down from heaven so that all the world would see. Jesus' answer to this question was to say that the Holy Spirit would reveal Jesus in the world, but that he would do so through words. Here's what Jesus said. He said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Now, our translation there isn't very good. Better translated, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, they will hold on to my words. And when you hold on to my words, Jesus says, you are holding on to me. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring God and people as close together as they can possibly bring be, to bring God to people and people to God, so close, in fact, that Jesus describes it as though both of them are inhabiting the same house. Both of them are living in the same place. That is the important work that the Holy Spirit was sent into this world to do, and Jesus' words make it very clear that the Holy Spirit has chosen to do that work through words. Now, that means, of course, that not everyone will come to know Jesus. Not everyone will receive these blessings. Those very same words through which the Holy Spirit works can be ignored. They can be dismissed. They can be rejected. But think about what that means for your life. See, each and every day we are dependent on forces that are completely out of our control. Think, for example, about people and how much you depend on other people. Your children to behave your coworkers and your teammates to do their job, a friend to keep a secret of yours, the other drivers out there on the road to be paying attention instead of having their heads buried in their phones. You depend on people. Can you control those people? We might like to sometimes, right? But we know that we can't. What about the economy? For the housing market to stay stable, for the stock market to continue to grow, for the job market to stay strong. Can you control any of that? What about the government to set our tax rates, to decide when our sons and daughters are going to go off to war? What about the weather? We've got a couple big events coming up here at Good News. Well, we've got the parade today. We've got Taste of Mount Horb coming up. We've got soccer camp in July. I sure hope the weather's good for all of that. Imagine if you're a farmer. Your entire livelihood depends on the weather. People, economy, government, weather, you can't control any of it. And yet there is a power, there is a force that you need in your life far more than any of those. It is the power and presence of God. You need God close at hand the way the Holy Spirit can do. You need God close at hand. You need his power at work to resist temptation, 
to be assured of your forgiveness when you fall into that temptation, to remain confident and certain of all of the promises that God makes to you, to remain full of joy and hope and peace in your heart, no matter the circumstances in your life. And the beautiful thing is that as much as you need all of that power in your life, you are in full control of that power. Why? Because God himself has put you in control of that power. God has bottled up all of that power in words. It means that when you need an extra dose of the presence and power of God in your life, you don't need to just kind of sit back and wait for some random lightning bolt to come striking down from heaven. No, you know exactly where to turn. You've got that lightning bottled up. You've got all of the power of God bottled up in just 26 letters of the alphabet, ready and waiting whenever you need it. God has bottled up his power in words. And so just think, of all of those things that we try and accomplish in our lives with words, all of which do in fact have power, how much more so ought we, be to, ought we to be putting these words into practice, these words that have divine power? Just think if among all the words that we consume, all the words that we take in each and every day, if those words included God's words. What about the words that we have and use in conversation with our loved ones? What if those included God's words? What about the conversations we have with friends and neighbors who don't know God the way that we do? What if those included God's words? What if the music that we listen to and the songs that we sing included God's words? In fact, then we're really playing with power. I had shown this quotation in Bible class a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to show it to everyone. There was a Scottish political activist named Andrew Fletcher who said, Let me write the songs of a nation. I don't care who writes its laws. So whether we're speaking or listening or singing. We have the power of God at our fingertips, ready and waiting whenever we want to put it into practice because God himself has bottled up his power in words. But that leads to another important question. Which words? Even if someone were to grant the idea that God does in fact speak to human beings using words, that would by no means indicate that the person believes that God's words can be found in the place where we believe God's words can be found, namely the Bible. The authenticity and reliability of the Bible is almost universally called into question these days. You know that. And so even if we were to grant this idea that God speaks to people through words, the question would still remain, which words does he use? Thankfully, Jesus answers that question for us as well. He said to his disciples, All this I have spoken while still with you, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples, this group of men who for the past three years had been following him around everywhere that he went, watching everything that he did, listening to everything that he said. And right before he goes back up into heaven, he says, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that you've seen and heard and teach you everything that you need to know. Why is that important? Well, when we read our Bibles, specifically the New Testament of those Bibles, the part of those Bibles that tells us all about everything that Jesus said and did and what that means for our lives, do you know who wrote down those words? These very disciples to whom Jesus was speaking. And where did their words come from, according to Jesus? They came from the Holy Spirit. 
They weren't their own words. They didn't just make them up. They didn't try and remember as best they could. They didn't take what was true and, and embellish it a little bit just to make it look a little bit better. No, the Holy Spirit gave them the very words to write down. And so when it comes to that question of, is the Bible trustworthy? Is the Bible reliable? It really comes down to a question that's more fundamental than that. Is Jesus trustworthy? Is Jesus reliable? Can we trust Jesus when he tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit would give them the words to write down in the Bible? And thankfully, we all know the answer to that question, right? In fact, even though it's no longer Easter and you might be just a little bit out of practice, I'm guessing you still know the answer to that question. It's as simple as seven words. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus' resurrection is proof that he can be trusted in everything that he says, including when he says that the Holy Spirit would give these men the exact words that he wanted them to write down. And so it's not just that the Holy Spirit has chosen to work through words. The Holy Spirit has chosen through which words he's going to work. And so when we want to unbottle some of that power in our lives, we don't need to wonder where it's found or wonder where we can locate it. We know exactly where it is. In fact, the divine nature of those words sort of becomes obvious because they sound so different than the words we would expect God to say to us, the words that maybe come naturally to us. When God speaks to us in the Bible, he doesn't say things like, well, you do your best and then God will do the rest. He doesn't say things like, God helps those who help themselves. He doesn't say things like, well, if you fail and if you struggle, all you need is a little bit more willpower, a little bit more effort, a little bit more information, and then everything will be just fine. He doesn't give us seven secrets to our best life now. He doesn't give us five keys to all the health, wealth, happiness, and success we could possibly ever imagine. No, God's words sound very, very different. God tells us that just as was the case with Jesus, this place is not our home. We are foreigners and exiles. We are aliens. We are strangers living in a strange and foreign land. God tells us that in order to get to our eternal home, we should depend exactly 0% on our own ability and on our own performance, but instead rely on the performance of Jesus, which is already complete as our substitute and our Savior. God tells us that through simple faith in him, by simply relying on what he has done, we already have the full status of children of God. We've already been written into his eternal and infinite will. We already have a room in our heavenly mansion that's being prepared for us. And all of it is certain. All of it is guaranteed. That's what it sounds like when God himself speaks to us in words. You know, it's not unusual to think that all of the life-giving power that we would need at any given moment would be all around us and all we need to do is figure out how to harness it how to tap into it. In fact, right now, when I turn on Netflix, one of the suggestions that keeps coming up is this movie called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. Have you seen this or heard about it? So it's about a boy, based on real events, a boy named William Kamkwamba. I hope I'm saying that right. William was a 13-year-old boy growing up in Malawi back in the early 2000s. At the time, there was this devastating famine that was absolutely ravaging the land. As many as 70% of the people of Malawi were on the verge of starvation. Because his family was so poor, William was forced to drop out of school. And yet, because he still loved to learn things, he went to his local library and he found a book entitled Using Energy. That book gave him an idea. He went to a local scrapyard, picked up a bunch of stuff that you and I would probably consider junk, and he used it to make a windmill. 
And with the power of that windmill and other windmills that he made, he was able to provide power to his home. He was able to pump water, which provided irrigation and enabled his family to grow crops. In fact, pretty soon there was a line of people lining up at his doorstep looking for some of this power because they all wanted to charge up their cell phones that had died. Turns out all the power that they needed was all around them, and he just needed to figure out how to harness it. And he did so with a little bit of help from some words. It's a pretty incredible story, and yet I think the story that you and I are a part of is even better. That the power we need for our lives, the power and presence of God is all around us all the time, and we just need to harness it. And thankfully, we don't even need to figure out how to do that for ourselves because God himself has made that clear. He has bottled up his power in words and has even told us which words his power is to be found in. And so rest assured, whenever you need it, whenever you want it, whenever you need just a little bit of a dose of God's power in your life, you know exactly where you can find it. You unleash the power of words in your life and you've unleashed the power of God in your life. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.